Welcome to the Sharp Waiver Wire and Injury Show for Sharp Football. I am your host, Todd Burrows, and joining me once again are Curtis Hirsch and Tucker Bagley, and we will take you through the key takeaways from Week 7 and help you to prepare for your waivers in Week 8. Tucker, what is your biggest takeaway from Week 7? I think my biggest takeaway from this week and really this season as a whole is maybe the the era of the pocket quarterback is, is dying. You look at the the guys who currently rank at the top of the NFL in yards per pass attempt. It's Tua Tagovailoa, Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts, Marcus Mariota. I mean, these are guys who are, are capable of running the football and, and are true dual threat. And then you look at the guys at the bottom, guys like uh, Davis Mills, Aaron Rodgers, Justin Herbert, Tom Brady. I mean, those guys all rank below 23rd. It's it's fascinating the way defenses this year more than ever have been able to kind of make sure that that quarterbacks who strictly sit in the pocket and pick you apart are, are incapable of necessarily winning games at this point. Yeah, I, I think that um, I think that uh, basically a couple of things have happened. One is that the running quarterbacks have given you know, they're also passing well. So you, you're now getting running quarterbacks who can really throw the ball, but also that second tier of quarterbacks that normally keep it close. This is the worst year I've ever remembered. And of course, this was my strategy this year to really hit that vein hard. But Dak has been bad and hurt. Russell Wilson's been awful. Brady's been awful. That second tier has made it all the more that you really kind of need one of these top guys if you think you have a shot to take down a big tournament. Your thoughts on that, Curtis, and your big takeaway of the week? Yeah, totally agree with that sentiment. And that's why I think the 49ers were correct in going after Trey Lance over Jimmy Garoppolo. And I think he did raise their floor and ceiling both at once. Uh, and yeah, to your point, I don't disagree with you that you do need a top five, top six quarterback to take down one of these tournaments. And I had a discussion with someone over Twitter prior to the season who was a late round quarterback person. I said, you're so skilled and talented. I think you need to start targeting some early quarterbacks just because I think this is the year where that will hit. Yeah, uh, and uh, I'm good friends with Billy Musio, who tends to be a late-round guy. Um, You know, I think the late-round teams are still alive because you've had guys like Goff and Wentz who who have kept you in it. Now Justin Fields is coming along. Uh, I I do think that the whole kind of concept of taking quarterbacks, not taking quarterbacks early – might be a mistake you know historically if you faded the first or second quarterback you 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 could print money right um i this i don't know if it's going to be a long-term trend but certainly this year uh there are a ton of teams with josh allen near the top my big takeaway of the week and i wasn't going to do it but you know what it really is the most important takeaway is that fantasy football is a very humbling game. And I, I I go in on Twitter and I see all these guys, you know, especially early in the season, 
you know, doing victory dances uh, with attitude. Uh, I just find that, you know, a thing like Brees Hall, right? I had almost no Brees Hall, but I can't do a victory lap that that dude got hurt, right? Mm. It's very humbling to me that I have a shot at a really good season because a guy that I got wrong got hurt. And if you are a Brees Hall guy, it's very humbling to have to live with that injury. Uh, Tucker, your thoughts on that? No, I, I agree. And that's the nature of fantasy football. And that's the nature of the NFL right now is a lot of teams and a lot of seasons can be, you know, make or break on, on one play, on one weird hit, on a late hit, uh, on a low hit, on a high hit. I mean, Football, as much as we love it, it is a barbaric sport. And as a result, that's why I think injuries are so important because they they can, you know, ruin a team season in a blink of an eye or in a case where you're someone who, who was fading someone like Brees Hall, it, it, it can give you newfound hope. All right. So with that in mind, let's move over to the injury section. Um, there really were not a lot of injuries at the quarterback position this week. But we did have Matt Ryan being benched for the rest of the season. Russell Wilson is still injured. Aaron Rodgers is supposedly dealing with a minor injury. What do you have for us on the quarterback injuries, Tucker? Yeah, I mean, starting with Aaron Rodgers, he hasn't practiced on Wednesday. I think the last two weeks due to a, a right thumb injury, and maybe that that's why that offense has been sputtering. But he also is just getting the ball super quick, and he's also missing. Right now, his top three wide receivers, Alan Lazard, uh, Randall Cobb and Christian Watson are all out right now with a variety of injuries. Um, but when you look at Matt Ryan, he separated his shoulder and was benched anyway, adding insult to injury. I think he'll be back as the backup quarterback once he gets healthy. They still have a lot of positive things to say about him there, but for now it'll be Nick Foles backing up Sam Ellinger. And then Russell Wilson, I, I thought was a complete shock that, that he was inactive on Sunday. Russell Wilson never misses time. He, you know, uh, dislocated his thumb last year and only missed two games and, and came back incredibly early. I didn't think just a, a simple hamstring strain would keep him out, but I also think the Broncos are trying to be cautious with him or are trying to protect their, their $250 million investment. So I think he's itching to play. I, I think he's going to be limited in practice this week, but I also think Denver might feel that it might be best to, to keep him out another week. So that's something that's certainly worth monitoring this week if you're still buying into russell wilson remember that that denver offense is last in the nfl right now in, in point scored with or without him I, I have one league where i put in a bid a, a decent sized bid to get russell to go with Dak. you know these guys who have a history of spike weeks i mean if you're lucky enough to, you know this is a season-long league if you're lucky enough to get to the playoffs things could turn around so i I personally am not going to leave Russell Wilson on the waiver wire unless I've got a Josh Allen or Hertz. Your thoughts on that, Curtis, and who are your favorite pickups of the week? Yeah, I totally agree with you regarding Russell Wilson. He's been dreadful, but they do have the Chiefs and Chargers and one other favorable opponent that I can't think of in the fantasy playoffs. So he can go off. He's got the receiving talent on his team to put up a huge week. So if he's out there, you probably have to hold him and just just try to get to the playoffs with him if you don't have a legit starter at quarterback uh, and then this week i i'm going a little bit outside the box i'm gonna try and sneak 
with Jameis. They have the Raiders on deck who are allowing the most fantasy points to quarterbacks this year. They're allowing the 32nd in red zone efficiency and highest rate per drive of reaching the red zone. I think there's going to be a lot of points scored in that game. I just don't know if Jameis is going to play or not. So I'm going to try to pick him up for cheap on Wednesday versus Sunday and, and see how that goes. And then the other option is good old Sam Ellinger. He does bring something that could bring that offense forward. He is quite mobile, mobile and the offensive line just can't block. So in preseason, he was 24 of 29 with four, four touchdowns and a rushing touchdown. And every year in college, he had over 100 rushing attempts. So it's worth, worth a shot. I don't know how quick they'll be to go to Nick Foles if things look ugly. That's my one concern with Ellinger. Yeah, I, I like it. And, you know, their season seems to be on the rocks. Um, you know, they've tried three years in a row now to bring in an older quarterback and, you know, saying, hey, we got the, the talent around it. Frank Reich even said, we let Matt Ryan down. We didn't keep our promise to him. I think this Ellinger guy is very interesting just for what you mentioned, the legs. And I do think that he's a guy that I am going to consider very heavily as, um, as I start going through my waivers in a little bit here. Let's move over to the running back position. Obviously, the Brees Hall injury is the, the big injury. Um, let's talk about Brees Hall. Let's talk about Mike Boone. Uh, and Chuba Hubbard also is injured. And then we're obviously going to talk a little bit about what the James Robinson trade means and if it opens up any opportunities. Tucker? Yeah, so, I mean, Brees Hall, he's done for the year. He has a torn ACL, has a little uh, MCL damage in there, too. But but pretty much he, he's sidelined uh, until next year at the earliest. So you mentioned they traded for James Robinson. They have Michael Carter in, in their backfield. They were running a lot of two-back sets this year. So I do think it, it truly is going to be a, a pretty split workload between the two. And James Robinson had completely fallen out uh, of the offense in Jacksonville. He didn't even get a touch. Uh, on Sunday, which is kind of what happens in Doug Peterson's offense. I, I've seen it before here with, with the Eagles because there were games where a guy would have no touches and the next week he'd have 20. But, yeah, Mike Boone's headed to the IR as well. The Broncos pretty much have phased him out of the offense too. Latavius Murray and Melvin Gordon have pretty much been their one-two combination since Boone had that big week uh, a, a couple weeks ago. So I don't think that changes much. And then Chuba Hubbard, who – Became the starter after the Christian McCaffrey trade. He, he played well for three quarters. He, he was uh, efficient in the passing offense. He, he ran the ball, I think, 18 times. He went down with an ankle injury in the fourth quarter, and that opened up for Dante Foreman, who, who finished with over 100 yards himself, including a 60-yard carry in the fourth quarter. But he has a minor ankle injury, and I think him opening the door for Foreman in that fourth quarter is going to result in, in probably a lot of split touches there too. Yeah, it looks like um... – it looks like they're both um, getting good roles. And it was uh, very interesting, hopefully for me and my 24% form and uh, Chuba needs a week or two. Curtis, who are we looking up to pick up? And what's your takeaway on the Michael Carter, James Robinson situation? Yeah, it's a pretty ugly week for looking to pick up an impact starter. We've had obviously had Chuba and Dante Foreman 
on Sunday after the crazy trade from Thursday night. So we didn't talk about that last week. And those guys are both unavailable in the majority of leagues going forward. The guy I'm kind of looking to stash is Amir White, just because I have no Josh Jacobs exposure whatsoever. And that offensive line is just crushing out there. They're leading the league in adjusted line yards and the offense is moving the ball quite well. They've just have to kick a lot of field goals because they are have an unsustainable poor red zone rate when they get to the red zone. So he's a guy that I'm just throwing a dart out there on because Josh Jacobs has had some injury history in the past and I missed out. So I need some exposure that way. And then the Michael Carter, James Robinson, I, was texting with Rich yesterday and I just didn't see a big role for Michael Carter just because he's, they don't like to give him 20 touches a game. So I always felt that whether it was Ty Johnson or they brought in another back, that something would happen there to limit uh, Michael Carter from being an RB one this year. So not surprised. I think they'll share the, share the work. Uh, Robinson will probably be the early down guy and just kind of limit each other, unfortunately. I'm going to give a different take. I I look at Robinson as a better scenario than uh, Kareem Hunt, who is also available to be traded. And I think if you're looking for kind of sneaky guys to draft, um, to Ernest Johnson, I think would get a nice workload if Kareem Hunt does get traded. And I think I think this time there might actually be a little fire with that smoke. Um, I think that Michael Carter is going to get a two-third, one-third role. I think he'll split first and second down and be the third down back, although James Robinson can do it too. Um, But I agree with you. I don't think we're going to see a huge Michael Carter role, but I do think enough to pay off his later ADP where you drafted him. Um, I'm going to throw out one other name, uh, and that's uh, Hasty, Jermichael Hasty of the Jaguars. So he's gotten some action. And last week, Robinson was dealing with a knee a little bit, I think. And, you know, ETN had a a huge share, but ETN has had some blocking problems. And I don't think they're going to want to overwork ETN too much. And I think Hasty is now one injury away from a very significant role. So uh, what are your thoughts on Hasty as kind of a sneaky pickup this week, Curtis? Yeah, for sure. Whether it's Hasty, I'm going to go with the contrarian view to most and think that Snoop Connor has more upside. And Hasty will have the a little bit of passing role with ETN in the lineup. I, I'm looking at Snoop Connor as the guy in case of an ETN injury. He's just a little bit bigger, probably more durable. But like you said... I'm Played well in the preseason, too. I, I'm taking shots on both those guys because they're just one injury away from having a huge workload work, uh, load in a pretty good offense. I'm definitely targeting both those running backup running backs in case of an ETN injury. Awesome. All right, let's move over to the wide receiver position where we had a number of injuries. Mike Williams had a pretty ugly-looking ankle. Um, DK Metcalf was hurt. Debo was hurt. Gage was hurt. Mike Evans was hurt. Um, Amon Ross St. Brown uh, left the game. Nico Collins left the game. Uh, Tucker, take us through these injuries. 
Yeah, I mean, wide, wide receiver, it's impressive, quite honestly, just how many injuries we saw this week. I mean, Mike Williams, he, he's probably going to miss three, four, or five weeks with his high ankle sprain. Luckily, they do have their bye week this week, so I wouldn't expect him to be stashed on the IR just yet. They'll probably wait until sometime next week just because that doesn't necessarily uh, affect his return date. So I, I would wait on that, and, and I would wait to see what they do there. And I'd also throw in Keenan Allen, who hasn't played since their opener. He came back this week um, due to a hamstring injury, and he played the first half and then sat out the second half due to that same hamstring injury. So this seems like something that, that's really hampering him, and that's another injury I would worry about. But once again, they have their bye week coming up, so nothing is necessarily I- impending at the moment. As for DK Metcalf, they said he doesn't need surgery. They said all the scans came back better than anticipated, so that's good news. He even told Pete Carroll that he expects to be at practice on Wednesday. Now, I don't know if the Seahawks necessarily let that happen, but it's certainly a good sign that he thinks he's capable of going so quick after it happened. And, and you mentioned Debo Samuel. I mean, Debo Samuel has absolutely killed the Rams in, in recent years. He averages over 100 receiving yards per game, has three touchdowns in his last four games against them. If he's not able to go, that, that would be a huge loss for that 49ers defense, or offense. But right now he's considered just day-to-day, so I wouldn't be too worried just yet. All right. I, um, I, I don't trust Pete Carroll. When he said that DK Metcalf was uh, okay, I, I'm expecting a leg amputation over the next, you know, news of a leg amputation. That's how much I trust Pete Carroll. Anyway, um, that joke uh, did not quite make it all the way I hoped it would. Let's go to Curtis and who we should be looking to pick up at wide receiver. No, I wrote up the same thing. You can't take what Pete says seriously as he's always the eternal optimist when it comes to injuries. So I'm on your your side that I think Metcalf is going to miss some time and it could be significant time. So that leaves... uh, Marquise Goodwin and Dwayne Eskridge is the two players that are available there. I'm good with making a case for Goodwin. He just caught two two touchdowns. But I also think Eskridge might have a bigger role now that Metcalf is out the Seahawks played with two tight ends on the field a lot after Metcalf went out. And Goodwin hasn't played a ton of snaps, actually just one with more than multiple tight ends on the field. So going to be interesting to see how that plays out as I really do believe that Metcalf will miss a few weeks here. All right. Uh, Yeah. Uh, I think that, uh, you know, for all the big injuries, there's just not a ton that is, you know, really interesting. Let's move to tight end in Joku, Andrews, Bellinger, Brevin Jordan, all Got, uh, well, I'm sorry. Injoku, Andrews, and Bellinger are all guys who have ha- have injuries. Uh, let's go to you, Tucker. Yeah, David Njoku, he'll probably be out three or four weeks with, with his injury right now. That seems like something that that'll be pretty long-term. And unfortunately, he he's second on the Browns right now in targets and receptions. Him and Amari Cooper have pretty much been the basis uh, of their, their passing offense. So that'll be a huge loss for them. And Mark Andrews, I, I the issue with them is they have a Thursday night game, so the 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 time crunch there certainly becomes a factor. But he did play eighty percent of their snaps on on Sunday, so I wouldn't be shocked if he ends up playing and he's just kind of sitting out the early parts of practice this week, strictly because he is coming off that injury 
that had him miss some time a couple weeks ago. And then, then you mentioned Bellinger. I mean, he's been kind of a, a revelation for that Giants offense, but he hasn't put up big numbers. He's not necessarily a, a huge part, but he's the only guy on the Giants that scored multiple touchdowns this year through the passing game. He has two of their six passing uh, or touchdown catches this season. So I think he's a bigger loss for the Giants than he is for, for any fantasy team. All right, uh, Curtis, uh, who are you looking up to pick up in the at the tight end? Oh, get well soon, Najoku. He was such a stud early on in this season, and Rich was very high on him. So I've got a lot of late-round Najoku that is good in tight end premium leagues because he's got a ton of catches. Uh, I'll look right to his backup, and Hunter Bryant is the priority add until he is back and 100% healthy just because that offered the reset does like to pass the tight ends a lot. And then Brevin Jordan is another guy that I'm looking at. The Texans may do some house cleaning over the next week and a half. And with Nico injured as well, they're going to have to pass the ball to someone. If Brevin Jordan is a little bit healthier, I expect his role to grow. And I know he got a lot of love pre wait preseason waivers, uh, except he got hurt early on. We didn't discuss who's on by this week, and it is the Chiefs and the Chargers. So on top of some big injuries, we have we don't have as many teams on by as we normally get, but there's certainly teams that have a lot of talent for fantasy. Um, any thoughts on you know how to make up for those uh, guys, uh, Curtis? Yeah, we should have had this discussion last week. Think. Travis Kelsey, depending on the league settings, has a lot of single tight end teams. So I'm looking to pick up a tight end the week before just so it's a little bit easier to handle. But they, Kelsey owners kind of lucked out. Hunter Bryant makes a great stream this week. So yeah, the, the main strategy is when you're losing a when you're losing significant players with that kind of talent, look ahead, especially and, and Patrick Mahomes as well. Both Mahomes and Herbert. We, we did talk about that the week yeah, before. We how how you should be targeting yeah. your bye weeks and 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 the thought processes. So I do feel that we covered that pretty well. So let let's talk about who you're streaming this week, Curtis, at defense and kicker. Yeah. So this week for deeper kickers, I'm going to target the Miami Dolphins and Minnesota kickers. Both are favorites with the highest totals of the week, and they play in a dome. And defense, I'm going to go with the commander's defense this week as they play a rookie quarterback starting for the Colts. And their defensive line has played above expectation while the Colts' offensive line has struggled to block anyone. Tucker, anyone you're looking at to bring back from injury uh, before they're they're ready to come back? Yeah, I mean, Van Jefferson was uh, designated to return from the IR. That'll be happening sometime this week. And you look at that vertical passing offense in Los Angeles, it's pretty much been non-existent. And you look at what Van Jefferson did last year. He he was a a fantastic deep threat for Matt Stafford. He had three touchdowns on passes over 20 yards a, a year ago so far through seven games. The Rams don't have a single touchdown of that variety, so... If he comes back, I think he, he might just unlock a, another another piece of that offense and, and help them move forward. And considering what their passing offense is right now, when it's pretty much just Cooper Cup and, and nobody else, he, he could certainly be in line for a, a pretty hefty target share, considering he just does something that no one else on that roster does right now. 
So about, you know, I'm in high stakes FFPC leagues, 350 and the main events. Four out of my 11 leagues, Deshaun Watson is available. So I'm going to throw that name out because it, everyone is going to, who hasn't already started thinking about it is going to think about it soon. And he's a guy who could actually win you a championship. Um, so I will throw, I, you know, I wouldn't wait any longer. Now, if I have Josh Allen, if I have uh, Jalen Hurts, am I looking to Ed Watson? It becomes less important. But if you've had a quarterback injury, if you've got a team, you know, even I've got a bunch of teams with Kyler, I'm happy to add Watson as a backup on those teams. Uh, Curtis, your thoughts? Yeah, totally agree. My, I don't have any Josh Allen, so I've got Hertz and Mahomes as the two two guys I wouldn't touch him with, but I agree. Everyone else, I'm probably taking a look. I do have a lot of teams with Marquise Brown and picked up Traylon Burke, so I'm getting full of players that aren't playing for a few weeks, so depending on how what my team needs are and what I currently have on the roster, I'm definitely looking at Watson this week because he's not going to be out there past this week, I don't think. All right, so it's time for our final segment, our must-add, must-drop player. Curtis, you go first this week. Who's your must-add and must-drop player? Yeah, I'll go with Dwayne Eskridge. I think he's kind of under the radar and could have a big role, especially against the Giants this week in a game that might have some points, possibly. And then my drop is, I'm dropping Art Smith. Like, what what was that performance on the weekend to be trailing and throw the ball so little? It, it's a tough situation out there in Falconland. It is. All right, my guys, um, I'm going to go with Deshaun Watson because he does have the ability to win you a championship. I agree with Curtis that it there's certain criteria by which you would add him, but he's my must-add. And my must-drop is any Seattle back not named Kenneth Walker, because Kenneth Walker is the truth. And the truth has come into fantasy football, and I just don't see any role for these other guys. And then if Walker goes down, I think it will be a committee to where you won't get a great um, outcome so I'm dropping all the Seattle backs. Tucker? Uh, I'll add another Walker, and I'll add my, my college classmate, P.J. Walker. You saw what he did against Tampa Bay, out-dueling Tom Brady, throwing for two touchdowns. And, and even though this is somewhat facetious, he has Atlanta coming up this week in a dome against a secondary that's currently missing both of their starting quarterbacks just the way Tampa Bay was missing both of their starting cornerbacks uh, on Sunday. So in a, in a world where quarterbacks and and just passing the ball in general has been completely hit or miss that that certainly could be an option if you're desperate and then it's interesting we haven't talked about it yet but Najee Harris has just been absolutely abysmal this year that that offense is terrible their blocking is terrible he's averaging three yards per carry he has one touchdown he's 28th among running backs right now in, in fantasy points maybe this will be the the kick in the butt he needs but I mean he has just been atrocious this year yeah, he was a bad pick. Uh, I'm lucky Twitter got that one right because uh, Twitter was uh, what got me off of Najee Harris, uh, Evan Silva, 
And um, thank you for that. I wasn't heavy on him, but I did have some shares early and I faded him down the stretch. That's going to do it for the Waiver Wire and Injury Report show for Sharp Football Analysis. I'm your host, Todd Burrows, and we will see you next week. Goodbye.